Welcome, welcome. You're back up, Plant Tribe, to another awesome, awesome podcast. I can't believe it. We have another one for you. And what a topic when trust shatters, rebuilding after betrayal with Vanessa Cardenas. I am so excited. She comes to us from New York. And we are going to definitely have lots of fun with this one. But hey, if you're new here, welcome back or welcome to our show. Um, I'm Tina with your backup plan app, and I'm the creator and developer of the program. I'm a best-selling author of In the Blink of an Eye, just like that. Well, I was going to say other words, but you know, crap happens in the blink of an eye. Yeah, it does. It sure does. Um, Mike Tyson used to say all the time, everyone has a plan till you get punched in the face. Yeah. That's very, very true. I am a financial advisor and an emergency preparedness coach. We are on all podcast platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, and of course, Pinterest. And I definitely need to make a song about that. It, that could really be a great beat going on there. We talk about real life stories with really amazing guests on our shows about their life-changing events in their lives tragedies, trauma, sickness, something life-changing and something unexpected hits you. And that being said, let's get back into our show here. Um, Vanessa Cardenas is going to come to us from New York, so stay tuned. We're going to have a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. Back, Welcome back to our show on betrayal. Anybody out there have had any sort of betrayal in their life? I think I can't imagine a life without some sort of betrayal, whether it's in business or at work or intimacy or um, a friend, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, whatever it might be. I definitely, definitely know that there's been some betrayal with everybody. So if you've caught our show, you're here for a reason because you found us and you are going to be amazed at what Vanessa Cardenas brings to us here from New York. She is a betrayal recovery specialist and let me bring her on and we'll have a little bit of an introduction for her. Welcome, welcome Vanessa to our show. Thank you so much, Tina. Mm. You're, you're welcome. She has an awesome blog, a YouTube channel, she has a self-guided course and she is an author and she is a founder and CEO for Understanding Ear LLC. She is renowned mentor, coach, speaker, and a degree in industrial psychology. And I wanted to ask you about that. What, what the heck is that? <laughs> and Vanessa's mission is to help individuals heal from betrayal, find happiness, and love on their own terms. And she's here to share her invaluable insights. Mm -hmm. So thank you, Vanessa. That's quite a mouthful mm -hmm. for us to start on. And I know you have quite the story to tell us and some great tips. Mm -hmm. So welcome to our show, Vanessa. Oh, Tina, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share wisdom. Oh, betrayal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but we need to take a step back. We just really, really do. I think today's episode is going to absolutely be one that is remembered forever because it's really foundational stuff. And we need to start with 
what exactly is love? Sometimes people can put it into words and others just say, you know, it's a feeling. It's a feeling that they have. So for me, my definition of love is actually giving someone the power to completely destroy you and trusting that they won't. I love that. Yes. Because that's yeah. really what we do. We do. We give our heart, our minds, our bodies, our feelings. We invest in someone else. We give them the power to destroy us. And sometimes it's in a blink of an eye. You mm -hmm. talk about that quite often with what you bring to the table. What I'm bringing to the table is about betrayal. And for me, it's in incredibly and deeply personal because you see i was addicted to certainty i was addicted to the certainty that if i checked off all of the boxes that i would be inoculated from something terrible happening yeah i addicted to certainty went to school got a good education climbed up the corporate ladder into the c-suite executive Sweet. Ooh, especially for a woman. Absolutely. Married my junior high school sweetheart, had children, had cars, had a house, had money in the bank. I was living the epic life. And I checked off all of the boxes. I was going to be inoculated. I did everything right. And I wore the superhero cape. I was everything to everyone. And I enjoyed it. And I lived this life that just was good for me. And I just was, I was on autopilot, it seemed. I just lived my life and did everything that I was supposed to do. And one day my husband and I are walking through Central Park and, you know, I'm people watching and really, you know, the beautiful day and everything else and holding my husband's hand because we still had PDA. We still had public displays of affection. After being married for over two decades, we were holding hands and he says, Vanessa, you know, let's sit down. So we sit down on the park bench and he says, Vanessa, I need to tell you something. And I oh, turn at him and he says three words, three words, three oh, no. words shattered me. I've met someone. Oh no. And my whole world shattered. It completely shattered. Now for me, I have an industrial psychology degree. You asked what that is. That is the study of people at work, but it still relates to psychology, how your brain works, how you think, things of that nature. And I fell apart and I couldn't understand why I was falling apart. Why was I drowning in the cesspool? And I couldn't put my finger on it. Yeah. And I was really struggling. I mean, I was really struggling. I thought I was an autopilot before. I was a zombie. I could not function. I, there were days that I didn't eat. That I, I just felt my whole life just like Thanos in the movie where I snapped the fingers and then everybody just dusted away. Yeah. That's what I felt like. I felt like I just completely lost who I was because I was a wife, I was a mother, I was a C-suite executive, and I felt them all just floating away. And I remember the moment 
it was what did, what did it feel like for you numbness rage overwhelming rage and then sadness ugly crying is an understatement I, I would say that there was mascara dripping from me but it got to the point where i wasn't even wearing any makeup anymore it, it was just i was a shell of myself i just i i I felt everything all at once or I felt nothing. And time either was warp speed or it dragged so slowly. And I was like, I I I'm I felt like I'm dying. Like I I don't understand why this hurts so much. Just yeah. so much. And there was a moment in time. I was laying on my bedroom floor, the wood grain, I could see the wood grain through the blurriness of the tears. And I remember just, please, I was begging at this point, please, God, spirit, source, somebody hear me, please, if I can get a reprieve so that I can sleep more than mm -hmm. two hours at a clip and I could feel just a little better just a little better. I promise, I promise that I will help somebody else not feel this way because this is the worst feeling that there is because there was a loss, but not a death. Right. I, it's grief. It's grief. It's all of it, like hit you like bang. Just like that. And, and I had a shell. I was a shell of myself. My husband was a stranger to me now. And, and I always wondered about that. You know, how can you be lying in bed with them for 10, 20, 30 years and every single day and not really know somebody? Mm. <laughs> that just blows my mind. Exactly. Exactly. Because we have fallen in love. We've done the intoxication of love. And, and for women... Disney is a lot to blame because Disney romanticizes in such a way that your your life and your your relationship is supposed to be a certain way and it's going to adhere to these different it's going to check off all of the boxes you know yeah. so it, it falls into that type of situation and I I remember finally falling asleep and I woke up actually felt a little better and then the next day I was, I was a little better then. And the third day I was a little better. The fourth day I got that shove. I got that push that, okay, you promised, you promised that you would help somebody else. And in order for you to help someone else, you need to do the work. You need to start going through the recovery process. Okay. And I, I fell deep into that because I've always been a student. I've been a student of everything around me. And now I put all my energy into what is betrayal? What are the different types of betrayal? Why do they happen? What do you do? How do you do it? Everything else. And I took in all of that information from the greats. And there are a lot of greats. But what I found for me personally, because your relationship is as unique as your fingerprint. Your betrayal recovery is equally as unique. And therefore, 
you can't just go with one thing. You know, this person might have this whole plan and this whole philosophy. And most of it you're you're comfortable with. Yeah. It just doesn't quite feel right. And the biggest one I'm going to say, and this goes against the grain, it does. There's a whole big industry about self-care. And when you go through betrayal recovery, that's a really big thing. Get massages, get candles, get this, get that. And it turns into, it can turn into another form of shaming you because you're not doing the self-care right because you're not healing in time as if healing's on a timeline, which it is not. Some people, exactly. It's unique as your fingerprint. Everybody goes through it in a different way. And I found that as I went through everyone else's various betrayal recovery programs, books, lectures, workshops, and so forth, I picked out the things that resonated with me, what I needed. And I found myself sharing that with friends and colleagues, what I was learning. Because when you learn with the intention of sharing it with someone else, you use a different part of your brain, the one that recalls things. If you read a book and just read it passively, mm, sometimes you forget things. Think of it if you're in your living room watching TV and you get up and you go into the kitchen to get something, on your way back to the living room, you might actually think to what am I actually watching? Because you've been watching it passively. You haven't retained it in. However, if somebody else got up into the kitchen, you would now be paying attention to what you're watching on TV because you know that they'd be coming back in and asking what I miss. (laughs) Yeah, true. I always think of it like... um... I always say people can um, read it and and listen to it, um, but not everyone can teach it. And I think it's the teaching part where we all of a sudden it's it's brought to us differently. Yes. Because now we're having to explain things. Mm-hmm. So you might be an awesome artist, the best artist, but can you be an instructor? because it's totally different. And I think that's what you're talking about. Exactly, exactly. So right off the bat, what I started teaching others, especially right at the discovery of betrayal, when you have discovered you have been betrayed, I was fortunate, and I say that in quotes, that my husband shared with me. I was gonna say that, but thank goodness he did mention it and not cheated and did his own thing, right? I mean, that's grateful that he did that. Correct. But not something we want to hear. (laughs) No, definitely not something that we want to hear. Um, And just to clarify, he did. He did cheat, then felt guilty about it, then came clean that I've met someone. But in our particular case, because again, it's as unique as a fingerprint, it was very much a cry for help. It was very much a, hey, I need you to pay attention to me. You're so wrapped up in being everything to everyone. And yes, you're you're great with me and and, and we, we have a loving relationship, but I'm sharing you 
with everybody else and you're losing sight of me. And we worked through both marriage counseling, independent counseling, each of us and coaches, because it's very important that you go through the situation. Um, and I was fortunate. I consider myself fortunate that he shared that with me, whereas mm -hmm. I didn't find it. A lot of women find it. Yeah. So I started teaching on what to do first. What do you do when you discover betrayal, whether it's told to you or you find it out? And there's three very important things right out of the gate. Okay, awesome. The first thing is I refer to it as toothpaste. And most people are like toothpaste. If you share your experience of betrayal right at that pinnacle moment, right at that discovery, you're vomiting all over everybody else. You've let the toothpaste out of the tube. You cannot take it back. Right. You want to be careful with that because first off, he might not know that you know. They want to keep that under wraps. You want to get as much information as you possibly can about the situation. If you start telling everybody, I suspect my husband of cheating, somebody's going to go back to him and yeah. let him know. Then he's going to start covering his tracks. And if you're separating and it becomes a legal issue, which we'll get into in a couple of moments, there's a whole different set of things that are going to happen. So you want to keep it close to the chest. I know that the second you find out, you want to tell somebody, yeah. find somebody singular to talk to about it. To whoever that might be. Whoever that might be. But know that that's a person that you need to trust, whether that's clergy or pastor or reverend, or if, it's, if you're religious based, if you're not religious based, maybe a sister, maybe a family member. I, I would avoid his family. And again, we're speaking from the perspective that the husband man has cheated and it's the woman going through this scenario. It, it is the reverse as well. So yeah. do keep that in mind. But for purposes of our conversation, I refer to the cheater as male and the cheated, the one who was cheated on, betrayed as the woman. Okay. So you want to be careful who you share it with. And I know you're going to want to be like Carrie Underwood and you're going to want to take a baseball bat and, and go to his car without a doubt. Absolutely. That rage is intense, but you want to be careful with that. Because love is intense. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So that's number one, toothpaste. Number two, document. You want to document everything you possibly can because as the hours and days and weeks after discovery of betrayal happen, your mind is, is Swiss cheese. You're really struggling to remember things. It's like mush. <laughs> yes, exactly. So you want to write things down, write them down, write them down, document, document, document. Even if you don't think it's important, document it anyway, because that documentation becomes important later on. So that's tip number two. Number three, ladies, GYN appointment. I know it's really difficult to hear, especially if you've been married for a long duration of time, to walk into your GYN and say, I need STD screening. 
You are not doing it for him. You are doing yeah. it for yourself. You yeah. have got to protect yourself. You have got to see what's going on. Even if he tells you it's an emotional, I never touched her. It's emotional. It's cyber. It's micro cheating. Whatever terminology he wants to use, but he denies any physical contact, your own peace of mind, your own health is very important at this stage in the game. Reach out to your GYN. I will tell you this. I've spoken to a lot of GYNs. I've done a lot of conferences with GYNs because telling a patient that they have an STD when they're in a committed long-term relationship is one of three of the most difficult conversations your GYN will have with you. Yikes. Yes. So you definitely want to have that appointment. It's for your peace of mind as well. That's okay? a great one. And it's not to say because you come back clean, and I say clean in quotations, that he's not doing something. It just means yeah. that it hasn't gotten to you yet. Yeah. Okay. So those are the three things right out of the gate that you want to do first. So how I approach my betrayal recovery is, as I mentioned, I read everything I could get my hands on and I really wanted to understand why. That was probably the biggest question I had. Why did this happen? And as women, we start going through our own checklist of all the things we think we did wrong. You know, I was, am I not enough? Am I not pretty enough? Am I not sexual enough? We go through this not enough checklist. And I really wanted to understand more than what our therapists and our counselors and our coaches and all the books that I read were sharing with me, all the betrayal books I was sharing. So I winded up having to go outside of the betrayal realm and really get actively involved in the psychology of it. And I read two great books, not about betrayal. They could be about betrayal, but they weren't designed for betrayal. One is Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. Oh, interesting. Yeah, very powerful stuff. And one of the quotes that I absolutely love is that when we are no longer able to change a situation, we cannot change that we were betrayed. When no. we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. Yes. That for me was the pinnacle. I realized that I had spent so much time focused on him. I wasn't focused on me. Yeah. And that was the pivotal change for me. The second book was Edith Edgar's The Gift. Both of these authors, Edith Edgar and Viktor Frankl, both went through Nazi Germany. Both were in concentration camps. And I started to really think about that, that if they could find meaning in their life, and if they could choose to change themselves based on their circumstances, then I must be able to do this. Absolutely. I must be able to get through betrayal. And one of the things that I discovered in 2016 
was something called the hindsight window. Eric Edmonds um, did a very powerful um, talk at an event that winded up on YouTube. When I saw it, it still only had 500 views. Granted, I watched it every day for almost a year because it was so impactful for me. It's only 20 minutes long, but the essence of it was so powerful and so inspiring. And I felt this is it. And he did this hindsight window again, not for betrayal. Yeah. But when you go through betrayal, everything molds into how can I use this for betrayal recovery? How can I use this to get through how I'm feeling? And I incorporated Eric Edmonds' hindsight window theory into how I share my wisdom with those that have been betrayed. And in essence, his hindsight window theory is, it, it starts with, you have a devastating event, devastating event, whatever that event is. And then there's a duration of time, duration of time to you get to the point where you recognize that not that it needed to happen, but it needed to happen. There was something about this event that changed the trajectory of your life that had it not happened, you would be on a completely different path. Yeah. And suddenly you find yourself a duration of time later, recognizing that this devastating event needed to happen. And maybe, maybe, and this is me, you could be better for the experience. And that's what I clung on to. I was yeah. like, this is it. I absolutely am so much better for the experience of going through betrayal. I have changed my entire life. I was a shell of myself when I went through betrayal. But what I emerged as was this amazing butterfly. I am completely different than I was before the betrayal. And I love who I am and I trust myself and I believe that self-love and self-trust can be rekindled in the aftermath of betrayal. Absolutely. And that's what I do and that's what I share. And I share it just to foster the authentic, the authentic happiness that people can have in their life after experiencing betrayal. Mm -hmm. So it, it leads to the idea. There's a couple of things. One is the, there is an emotional formula in the hindsight window theory. And again, I expand on this when I'm working with clients or I'm doing a workshop, but I want to give the benefit to your audience because they do need to hear this. The emotional formula is that resentment or regret in your past will equal fear in your future. Well, that's an interesting one. Think about that for a moment. Resentment and regret in your past will equal fear in your future. Mm -hmm. However, if you can clean up those experiences in the past, a slight little pivot, you can clean up the past which could 
then subsequently be gratitude for your past will equal faith in your future. So let me give you an example of this. My uncle Marty. My uncle Marty was my whole world when I was a child. I adored him. He would come to visit, always had a present, always had the best present, always was really in tune with what I was doing and what I was saying and what I, and he was just, he was into me in a way that just made me feel so special. And I loved Uncle Marty. And one year he came and he struggled to remember my name. And I was really hurt by that. And he didn't come with a gift. And not that it was about the gift, but again, as a child, you get used to a situation. Didn't come with a gift, couldn't remember my name, was very irritated when I came up to him and wanted to show him my project and what I did in school. And, the, you know, because as a child, you you know, you just talk yeah. and talk and talk and talk, talk. And I had I always had an audience with him. And now I didn't have that audience. And I took it so personally. And I was just so hurt by it. And we subsequently, 20 years later, he passed away. We went to his funeral, everything else. And as I was going through betrayal, because that's a type of betrayal as well. Not the, you know, cheating type of betrayal or the partnership type of betrayal or the self-sabotage type of betrayal, but it is a form of betrayal. Where but you're, it's not a knowingly betrayal, it, right? Exactly. You don't know it as a child. And again, you love somebody, you give them the power to completely destroy you and you trust that they won't. And betrayal is when they break that trust. My uncle Marty broke my trust because I suddenly felt like he didn't love me. Now, when I went through this hindsight window, you know, they start with small events. And I started with this event. What's a small event in your past that equals fear in the future? My fear in the future was that I wasn't going to be seen. I wasn't going to be heard, you know, because my Uncle Marty stopped seeing me and hearing me. Right. And going through this exercise, and as now an adult, the pivot was that he died of Alzheimer's. That year was the year dementia. They didn't have a name for it. They just referred to it as forgetfulness. But now as an adult and knowing that type of information, now I can look back on that situation with Marty and pinpoint that was when the dementia started. It had nothing to, to do, do with me. you. Nothing to do with me. But I carried that for 20 years. My hindsight window was 20 years long. And just like that, it closed. And now I wasn't fearful in the future. I had faith in the future that somebody who loves me, who sees me, who hears me, suddenly doesn't. It's something with them, not with me. And that's mm -hmm. an important lesson with betrayal. With betrayal, even though it was done to you, it wasn't about you. But it sure feels like it at the time. It does. It absolutely does. 
But if we can wrap our heads around and we can have a support system around us that reminds us that wasn't about you. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about you. So with that being said, I have 10 tips to rebuild trust for your audience that I'd like to share. Awesome. Yes. So number one, we absolutely want to be in order to rebuild trust. We have to trust ourselves. Our trust in ourselves is shattered, especially if we're blindsided by betrayal. There's no lead up to it. It's just completely comes out of left field. And just like that, your whole world is turned upside down in a blink of an eye. So you definitely want to trust yourself first. Number two, we've heard it a lot, set boundaries. Mm. Set your boundaries. You want to have clear boundaries to protect yourself. We'll get into the legal aspect of that in a moment. Uh, But you want to have those boundaries in place to protect yourself emotionally and mentally and physically if there's a physical aspect of the betrayal as well. Definitely want to know that healing takes time. It just does. It's not that you can go to the gym for six hours, work your abs, and the next day you have a six-pack of abs. It's incremental (laughs) steps. It absolutely is. And you want to make sure that it just moves along incrementally. The number one question dropped into Google recently is how long does it take to heal from intimate partner betrayal? As if you could fill out this questionnaire and, you know, how many kids do you have? How long have you been married? How long did the cheating happen? Male, female, blah, 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 and spits out a number and says, in 87 days, you'll be healed. Come on, what snake oil are we selling here? Yeah, no, it doesn't work like that. So even as you're searching for help and whatnot, you know, get healed in three days. Mm, You know, you might feel a little better. And when you're going through betrayal, even a little is a lot. So absolutely. But don't think that the time duration of healing can is the same for everybody. Because again, we're back to the fingerprint. Everybody's unique. So tip number four, we want to embrace the change. It's not going to go back to the way it was. Yeah. I'm sorry to say it. It's a hard truth. It's never going to go back to the way it was. I can tell you this. Could it be better? It can. It it can be even better and better and better and better. Yes. Yes. It absolutely can be. But when you're in it, you don't see that window. Exactly. Exactly. Then, of course, the hindsight window. That's a wonderful theory. So I always uh, appreciate that. Then there's forgiveness. And this is a tricky one because a lot of times when I say it, immediately the reaction is, I'm not going to forgive him. (laughs) I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about you. You have to forgive yourself. You are beating yourself up. You have that nasty chick voice on your shoulder that is screaming at you 24-7. You missed it. How come you didn't see it? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? You should have done this. You should have done that. Relentless. 
Yeah. You have to tell that nasty chick voice to take a break, take a reprieve, give me an hour. You'll come back. I know you will, but give me an hour of peace and quiet. Give me an hour where you are not beating me down. You can come back. And then the next day, two hours, the next day, three hours, get it to the point where the nasty chick voice settles down because she's your worst enemy. You think she might be there to protect you, but she's not. So you well, I understand to... it's your logic brain yes. talking and it lies and it creates this negativity. And when you get into the negativity, it's just a constant negativity whirlwind that you just keep going around and around in. Right. So you need to cut it off. <laughs> yes. I, I guess that's sort of what, let me quickly just um, in between your tips here. Um, if you already haven't, make sure you like, share and subscribe down here below in the corner. If you're new here, welcome to the show and subscribe so that we're going to have Vanessa back on the show um, very shortly. So make sure you you get notified of that if you are a subscriber. So thank you for taking a pause. Mm, absolutely. So we were talking about tips on rebuilding trust after betrayal. We're up to number seven, which is personal growth. You're going to grow. You're going to stretch. You're going to have new stretch marks. Oh, it's going to be glorious. It absolutely will be. You will be a different person. And dare I say... Better for the experience. Better for the experience. And don't get me wrong. I don't wish betrayal on anyone. It is the no. most gut-wrenching, awful thing you have to go through if, if you unfortunately have to go through it. And a lot of us do. There are a lot of us. A lot of us are, you know, closed off. We keep it to ourselves. We turtle ourselves in. We don't share it with anybody. I don't advocate for that either. Because yeah. what winds up happening is you take all of those emotions, all of that pain, all of those memories, and you put it stored in your body and your body becomes the coffin for all of that. And then it's buried. And then it resurfaces over and over and over again. And it destroys you from the inside out. Don't do that to yourself. Absolutely. Don't do it for yourself. Look forward to the personal growth that you're going to experience. You do want a support system around you. Yeah. Absolutely. Whether it's a, a, a local support group, there are groups on meetup platform, betrayal support groups on meetup platform, Facebook, things of that nature. You want to find your tribe. You want to find others that have experienced what you have experienced. And again, I know it's as unique as a fingerprint, but betrayal is betrayal. You go through it. I'll, 75% of it is the same for everybody. It's the 25% that is different. But you want to find your tribe. You want to find your, your support. Yeah. They are there. Absolutely. I like that. And why I like that, I guess, is because um, when something happens like this, you quickly find out who really loves you and who doesn't. It's a huge wake-up call in so many factors. Yes, it's, it's a very, very good point because those around you, they struggle. Same, same thing during a wake or a funeral. You have people come up to you. They have the best intentions. 
They absolutely do, but they say absolutely the wrong thing. And they make, sometimes they make the pain even worse. Yeah. Sometimes all you need is somebody to come up to you and let you know, I've got you. I've got you. And that's it. Nothing yeah. more needs to be said than I've got you. Um, the most important thing to do if you know that somebody is hurting is to show up and be present. And listen. Listen only. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, the worst, one of the worst things that I experienced was when people compare. And I know that people compare and despair, but compare, oh, your situation. Well, I know Nancy down the street and she went blah, 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 blah. I'm sorry. I don't care about Nancy. <laughs> I care about myself. I'm going through this. I need you to focus on me, not on Nancy. I don't need to hear about Nancy. So it's, it's the comparing. Um, there are a lot of other things as well. I have a uh, tip sheet for betrayed people to give to their circle of here are the things that you need to do or not do in my presence. These things will help me. You can find that on my website or you can send me an email. I'll be more than happy to send that over or we'll do another podcast and talk about that. But yeah, absolutely. Definitely want to stay focused on the 10 tips. We're up to number nine and we touched on it with the nasty chick voice and you eloquently said, yes, positive self-talk. You have to flip that. You have to, every morning that you wake up, and this is a lesson that I give to my participants, is every time you wake up and you brush your teeth, I want you to look at yourself in the mirror. Look at yourself and say, good morning. Good morning, Vanessa. Do that for a week. The next week, good morning, Vanessa, and compliment something, anything doesn't matter what it is. Oh, great green eyes. Mm, no bedhead today. Whatever it is. But make it a point to start talking to yourself, whether out loud or in your head, of positive things that you do. Because there absolutely are. There's amazing things that you do every single day. I want you to recognize what you are doing. Even if you got an extra hour of sleep, even if you were able to manage to get into the shower, those are things to celebrate at this Absolutely. moment in time. And I know it seems so insignificant, but when you're going through the hurt of betrayal, right in the thick of it, you want to recognize those little incremental things that you do do. Number 10, your happiness matters. I want to say it again. Your happiness matters. Not only do you matter, your happiness matters. Because when you are happy, you share that. You absolutely share that. So one of the great things that I absolutely love about support groups, especially Alcohol Anonymous, um, Drug Anonymous, things of that nature, we all know the first lesson, the first step in the 12 steps which is admit that you have a problem. Most people don't know what the 12th step is. Yeah. The 12th step, and, and both AA, AA is really committed. They know that this will happen. 
that if somebody does only steps one through 11, the likelihood of them taking another drink goes up. It's that 12th step that is the most important step. Do you know what it is? No. Well, I probably do, but have never really classified you definitely it. Do. None of us actually really think about it. But once, once I say it, you'll be like, oh, yeah. They become a sponsor. Yeah. They help someone else. And if they help someone else, they will likely not take another drink because they become responsible for someone else. So I invite you to ask your friends, your support system to be your sponsor for your happiness. Reach out to them. Tell them what you need. I made a pact with my circle and I said, I need something from you. This was years after the, the initial discovery of betrayal. And it was as I was working through my recovery. Right. I said, I need, I need not to cry alone. I need to know that I can call you just to cry and get out those emotions. And if I can know that part of my support is not to cry alone, I will feel so much better. Oh, absolutely. There's Very nothing much. worse than being alone and being in that moment. Exactly. Exactly. And you find strength in knowing that you are not going to cry alone. For me, I found that I actually wasn't crying as much because I had that support system. Yeah. I was able to shift my emotional reward system. Because once you start crying alone, you go down that cycle. It's kind of like that whirlpool that just goes down and down and down and down. And suddenly, yeah. before you know it, you're sucked back into that cesspool. I didn't want to be there anymore. I really didn't. And it's not toxic positivity because that, that's mm -hmm. a new term that's coming up lately as people talk about positivity being toxic. No, it's about finding your happiness, finding your moments of joy and celebrating those. We don't celebrate like we used to. Yes, we celebrate on Facebook and people, you know, uh, congratulations, this and that, but it's not the same as it used to be. We would do events, physical events around monumental things that would happen. But Even now- divorce, there would yeah, be yeah. huge events of dish throwing against the wall or big events of, you know? Getting those emotions out, getting them out so they don't become the coffin of what we are dealing with. So those are the 10 tips for that. So that's awesome. We, thank you. Uh, I wanted to touch on your area of expertise, which is from an estate planning point of view, because when you go through betrayal, and I mentioned you need to start documenting everything, yeah. you, you will reach a point where you will make a decision because you do need to make a decision. You need to make the decision whether you're going to stay or you're going to go. Yeah. Each, each side of this is equally as important because if you decide to stay, you still need to protect yourself. And if you decide to go, yes, still need to protect yourself. So 
the legal aspect of it is very, very similar. What I advocate for in the healing process is the consideration of a post-nuptial agreement. We have our pre-nuptial agreement before we get married, for those that choose to do so. But after betrayal, you might think of this as a healing process. But you want to make sure that you're doing it, A, for the right reasons. B, you are absolutely doing it with a family lawyer. Not a, you know, let me let me Google and get a generic, you know, form from LegalZoom or something of that nature. You really want to work with someone that is crystal clear on post-nuptial agreements because you want to spell out all of the details. Absolutely. Even ones you don't think about. Exactly. And that's what you have the lawyer for. Yeah. Because, you, you know, when when we made our vows, because now I'm married almost, I'm married over 30 years now. When we did our vows, there was no internet. So mm -hmm. I didn't know that I needed to put into my vows, you know, no uh, Pornhub or, you know, OnlyFans or, uh, you know, any any of those type of um, websites. Conditions. <laughs> yeah, conditions in, into my, you know, into our vows. I thought, you know, to love, honor, and cherish, you know, till death do your part. That's what I thought it was, you know. So you want to make sure that your post-nuptial agreement is comfortable for you and that it protects you because you need that safety. You need that safety after betrayal. That is a layer of trust that comes One into of the layers. Yes, yes, very and much. And I, so. uh, I always talk about... Um, I, I, there's probably all sorts of age groups for this, but I found with working in this business in this field that the majority of women under 40 or under 50, now it's probably in the fifties and sixties and seventies too, but the majority of women, when I'd say, do you have a backup plan? They'd say, oh, my husband looks after all of that. It's, you know, he's got all of that. He's, he's got life insurance. He told me he does and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, really? You think so, do you? Hmm. Well, what if I told you he doesn't? And they just have so much trust in the relationship, which is awesome. You need to have that. But ladies, you need to be educated because trust can come to bite you. And it is not fun to have to look after that after. Not at all. Because when you're going through this shattered dreams part where you've just been hit in the head, whether you hit them or they hit you of some sort of divorce or betrayal, you have no idea what they actually have. And I tell people, even if you're in the best of relationships and they get hurt, say an accident at work, do you honestly know what that looks like for, um, for their disability policy at work? Do you know what they're gonna get? Do they know what they're gonna get? Get educated. And by doing our webinars, you will know what you need to look at to what you need to figure out 
because a lot of times I think people don't know what it is they need to figure out until it slaps you in the face. Correct. So, yeah, I just wanted to throw that in there because people have no clue. They don't, some of them don't even know how much their husbands make. Yeah. They just, or they're just given money, you know, at their will or whatever that can call, I guess. I, I don't know, but it's not a position you want to be in when there is betrayal. Let me tell you. Absolutely. Because everybody biggest... gets their fists up at that point. Oh yeah. Very, very much so. But we talk about, this comes up quite often in my workshops and it started with one woman bravely um, raising her hand. And since then I've now asked in the group um, again, when we get more comfortable, yeah. But one woman raised her hand and she said that um, she discovered her betrayal because the insurance agent had reached out and indicated that the beneficiary form that her husband completed wasn't notarized by her and that oh. she needed to notarize it. And she said, oh, OK, you know, send it to me, this and that. She read it and realized that he was making his mistress his beneficiary. Yeah. That's right. I had an insurance policy I was writing for a husband and wife that weren't quite married yet, but they had, this is their second relationships. And the question that I always ask people with life insurance is, what do you want that to look like? What do you want to have happen? And she says, well, I'd like to know that the house is paid for, blah, blah, blah. And he looks at her and says, why are you just going to find somebody else anyways? And I was just like, oh, gosh, like, hold on, Nellie. Um, and I never did write a policy with them because she got up and left. Mm -hmm. And he looked at me and left. And then he called me after and said, I would like to do a life insurance policy on my affair. So, ladies, if you don't think it happens, it does. <laughs> so it does. be aware. Yes, absolutely be aware. And again, if you're... If you're healing from betrayal and you're staying together, you've made that decision, you're both working towards that, anything that Tina and I have discussed should absolutely be fine. Your partner should be absolutely, completely, 100% transparent and very comfortable with what you are asking for in terms of a post-nuptial agreement. And it's just having open and honest conversations Absolutely. and communication and that's the key and that's really hard after betrayal because oh, the trust you don't broken. trust them. yeah you don't trust them so you definitely want to get somebody like tina a third party to ask those questions how do you want this to look what yeah. do you want to accomplish these conversations they are difficult especially when we're talking about death yeah. But it is also what happens in separations. What happens if we divorce? What happens if yeah. you get sick? Yes, exactly. So there it's it's awkward, it's uncomfortable, but it's very much needed. And work with someone. Absolutely. Don't so don't if the spouse isn't looking at look talking about these openly, then what? If the spouse is not open for this, 
you absolutely have to have an attorney involved. Your marriage counselor can definitely help with this situation. It might be a deal breaker for you. It might be a, you know what? I thought that we could get back, we could rekindle our love for each other. But if you're not willing to do this for my safety, for my sense of closure, for my sense of well-being, you might need to re-explore whether you decide to stay. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Very much so. Very much so. So, you know, again, we go back to the event happens. The event happens. Your world is completely shattered. You need to figure out the emotions that you're having. You need to allow them to wash through you, not get stuck in you and not to repel them because as strong as you think you are, it's going to overwhelm you, how you feel. You want to go through the three steps that I mentioned right at the beginning, toothpaste, always remember it as toothpaste. It's a great way to remember it. Once you let the toothpaste out of the tube, hard to get it back in. So it sure is. <laughs> who you choose to share your information with. Number two, you absolutely, without a doubt, want to document everything. Because again, when you get to that pivotal moment where you decide to either stay or go, if you decide to go and you decide to separate, you're going to need all of that documentation. Yeah. You want to have it. You want to have it listed out. You want to go before the judge or the arbitrator or the lawyers or whoever you're going in front of with a stack of papers and your journal or wherever you're keeping all your documentation to show, listen, this has been going on for six months, a year, two years, whatever duration of time. And I have notations almost on every single day or every single week, something that has transpired. Or a journal to, yeah. to keep records of where you are, what you're keeping. Right. Because if you, if you think that you're going to remember everything, you're not. No. You're not. Your brain is Swiss cheese at this moment in time. Allow the emotions to wash through you. Mm -hmm. And know that you are not alone. You are not alone in this struggle. Again, find your people. Find those that can support you yeah. in the best way possible. And get a team of professionals around you. They're professional for a reason. They have seen it. They have heard it for many. They've gone through it. They've gone through the experience. They have seen it. They have heard it. And they can help you. They can advise you. They can guide you. They can allow you to think of things a little differently to make that one degree pivot that can change everything. Mm -hmm. Allow it to happen. Absolutely. What kind of, I, I don't want to go again. I never want to go from my shows. It's been so awesome, Vanessa. What kind of final message would you like to give the listeners? Um, the final message that I would want to give is that it's so important for you, for you to regain your sense of self, 
to love yourself, to trust yourself. That's what you're working towards first. You can't do that for your relationship until you've done that for yourself. Allow yourself every opportunity to do so. Get that support system around you. Do not turtle in. I know that you're strong. I know that you feel that strength that comes from the rage that you're feeling, but it's not enough. It's just not enough. Get people around you, whoever they might be, get those people around you to support you because you can go, you can go far alone, but you can go in a group in such a beautiful way that you can get to the other side of betrayal. It's beautiful over here. I will tell you that it is absolutely beautiful. You will look in the mirror one day, one morning and look at yourself and just be present and feel it and feel that sense of, I did it and I am better for the experience. Absolutely. That's beautiful. I know I look at myself and say, wow, you're just so different now. You're not the same person. And I love it. It's beautiful. And I, I guess I just wanted to make one comment to your part about the support group is what I really liked about support groups wasn't so that you compare, but what I liked was, oh, wow, their story is so much harder than mine or like the harder part so that you feel kind of uplifted to think that because in your world, you're the worst, like your situation is the worst. But when you see other people and what they're having to do or hearing what they've had to do or their story, it actually gives you strength to think that you're not the only one mm -hmm. and that there are other people that, geez, how did she do it? <laughs> you know, like, wow. Yes, yes, yes. As long as you think of it that way, yeah. how did she do it? That's amazing. Do not fall into the trap of diminishing yeah. your hurt because you see somebody else hurting more. It is not designed for you to diminish yeah. your own hurt. Absolutely. So allow yourself. I always look at it as the betrayal and grief is always as much or as difficult as much as the love that you had. So no one, you shouldn't be carrying, comparing anyone to worse or less. It is just situational, different, yes. maybe com more complicated than yours or whatever. But I don't believe that anyone's grief is less or more than anybody's because it's all based on the love and the investment that you put into somebody. And that's the part that hurts. Yes, yes. But the more gratitude you have for your past, the more faith you will yeah, have for in the future. future. Oh, I love it. I love that. Thank you so much, Tina, for the opportunity.
Oh, thank you, Vanessa. We're going to have her on again, guys. Oh, my goodness. There's so much to say about this topic. And it can go so many different ways. And if you guys have any comments that you would like to hear from Vanessa, um, make sure you put them down in the description box below. Vanessa, you have a book. Do you want to show everyone your book? Oh, my book. Um, let me show It share. is in the description box. but Yes, it's definitely in the description box. But my book wasn't academic or commercial in any way. Uh, it, it wasn't that type of thing for me. Because my betrayal so deeply affected me and my journey through betrayal saved me. It saved me. Um, I, I started sharing everything with people around me. I joined those support groups and I enjoyed the engagement. And then I started leading my own support groups. And I just found, again, I wanted to create a resource for those around me, a guidebook, the, the one I needed when I went through betrayal, something yeah. that allowed for short chapters, very concise, right to the point, common sense, not filled with scientific or religious undertones, just really straightforward. Facts. Yeah, exactly. And end every chapter with something thought-provoking, perhaps a journal entry, something for you to think about, something for you to go to bed thinking a little bit more positively rather than churning over and over and over again, trying to sleep because you're thinking of the thing that you just read and you're angry about what you just read. I wanted to end every chapter hopeful. And I created not one, but two books, which was dealing with the devastation of your partner's betrayal. Oh, what excellent. To do, what to do when your whole world falls apart. And because of the feedback on this, a lot of readers had approached me about how do I tell people? How do I tell, how do I talk to my kids? How do I talk to my parents, my in-laws, you know, school? How do I tell school that something's going on in our lives that might be affecting my child? Yeah. And that, and that prompted my second book, which was the follow-up dealing with the, your partner's betrayal, how to talk to your kids, your parents, your in-laws, and others. It also includes a section on how to talk to the other woman. Uh, oh. which is a very popular chapter. But again, it wasn't designed or it wasn't implemented to be a commercial exercise for me. So when I meet people who have read my book, which I'm always so honored about, somebody had mentioned to me, you know, I read your book and I encouraged all the women in my group to read the book. And I was like, my publisher thanks you for that. And she goes, oh, no, 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 we shared the same copy, which was absolutely fine. They got the wisdom. And then yeah. I did a conference where they had ordered 100 copies of my book. And most people, because it wasn't necessarily, it was a woman's conference, but not just about betrayal. It was other topics as well. So my book in the goodie bag could be somebody's, you know, on their nightstand, not interested in it at all. So the metrics of the book, you know, I had one book. The impact was, you know, 12 women in a reading group versus, you know, 100 copies of my book. Maybe it pertained to two or three people. Yeah. It's all about the impact for me. And that's why at the back of my book, it encourages you to leave it 
at your GYN office. Leave it at your lawyer's office. Leave it at your local library. I want the wisdom shared. Or your police department. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's a good one. I like that. I'm going to do that too. Thank you so much for that suggestion. <laughs> Even though you'd hate it for it to go there, but. Unfortunately, you know. it's the reality. It is the reality that people are betrayed. Yeah, in so many different ways. And we're going to talk about more of them in our upcoming upcoming podcasts. You will have we'll have Vanessa come back on. There's so much more to say, Vanessa. Thank you, thank you for for coming on and sharing your wisdom and your truth and your honesty and great tips for everybody. Thank you so very much, Tina. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so stay tuned, knowing that. Stay tuned for our next shows. We're going to have lots of different guests come on, but we will have Vanessa come back and talk about business betrayal as well as partnership betrayal and all sorts of, we'll probably talk about uh, intimacy betrayal again and, and all that kind of stuff. So make sure you tap on and subscribe to our channel and get notifications. There's a notification bell just down there as well hit that and and like it and share it with others so if you know somebody that's in these kinds of situations that that it could really help um you know at this time we're not superman but we act like we are because nothing's gonna happen i don't know why we think like that but we do but as you know that's far from the truth and we look at the last five years in the world and the shootings in the school, and we just had shootings in a bowling alley, um, shootings in the streets, and work accidents, car accidents, overdoses in the pandemic, and not to mention our crazy wars that are going through right now, and natural disasters. We just had one in southern Mexico with Hurricane Otis, and uh, the hurricanes just are tornadoes around the world, and earthquakes, which I'm sure will be coming up next. So don't forget to like, share, and subscribe down below and share that video with those that you love. And that being said, we always end our show with Carol Burnett. And I know Vanessa knows who Carol Burnett is. I'm so glad we had this time together just to have a laugh or sing a song. Seems we just get started. And before you know it comes a time we have to say so long. So long, everybody. I'd love to have you here. Thank you for coming on and listening. I hope you got one thing, just one thing from our show today to help you move forward and love yourself as much as we love you. So thank you and stay safe and be kind till next time. Bye for now. <laughs>